Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Early Education Show. We're here with episode 47. Uh, I'm Liam, and it's just me this week. As we said in our last episode, we're taking a couple of weeks off uh, this week and next, but we pre-recorded an interview a few weeks ago that we're bringing you this week. We've talked on the podcast before about the challenges facing the early education system in the United States. Each of the different states have wildly different approaches to quality, regulation, and funding. And access to quality early education is often determined by whether a family can afford it or not to an even greater extent than Australia. Uh, back in episode 42, my recommendation for the week was an article in Politico magazine about a new approach to funding high-quality preschool education in San Antonio, Texas, one of the most conservative states in America. Here's an excerpt from the introduction in that article. Since the program began, Pre-K for SA has posted impressive results. Its kids start below the national average in cognition, math and literacy, and finish the year above average. Its founders have become evangelists for the idea that early childhood education is key to giving poor kids an equal chance to succeed in school and life. The goal, says Sarah Beret, Pre-K for SA's CEO, is nothing less than to change the trajectory of San Antonio in one generation. It's an unusual way to transform a city. Often mayors get behind mass transit or downtown redevelopment to improve their cities, not educational play for four-year-olds. But the need for pre-K is a hotly debated topic around the country. A few cities and states have adopted universal pre-K, while others are building towards it. Texas is not one of them. Castro's initiative represents an ambitious but controversial example of a city jumping to fill a void left by its state government. The best way to make sure a young person gets ahead is to make sure she never gets behind in the first place, says Castro. For me, it was great to read a success story about evidence-based, child-focused early education succeeding against all the odds. I wanted to find out more, so I reached out to Pre-K for SA's CEO, Sarah Beret. Very generously, she agreed to speak with me from San Antonio, even speaking to me quite late in the day to adjust for the time difference. So I really appreciate that, Sarah. I hope you all enjoy this discussion about how San Antonio bet on early education and overcame challenges to support the children who most need support to level the playing field. So I'm here very excitedly talking with uh, Sarah Beret. Sarah, welcome to the Early Education Show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. We're really, really excited. This is our first. This is definitely the our interview with our person furthest away from us here in Australia. So you, you should. Uh, we're very, very grateful you've had the time to speak to us. Wow, that's great. Well, it's an honor to be your furthest away guest. <laughs> so, Sarah, we wanted to talk to you today because of some fantastic uh, work in the early education space that's been happening where you're based in, in San Antonio in Texas. So, but before we get onto that, um, I'd, you know, would you be able to sort of tell our listeners about yourself and your background and I guess, um, you know, how you came to be part of this amazing project? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, uh, yeah, and I'm thrilled to be part of this project and also talking with your folks about this because... Um, early education is a passion, but I came to Pre-K for SA just a little over a year ago, and I came here because it's such an outstanding program. Prior to that, I've had a long career in education, more than 25 years. I started out as a teacher in the public school system and then became a principal. I've worked in curriculum, done some central office work, 
and then was um, became a professor of educational leadership and started as an assistant professor and worked my way up to getting a full tenured professorship where I ran a PhD program. And in that job, I studied schools across the United States and really across the world. I worked for about 10 years on an international research project where we looked at principles and how effective they were in schools, particularly those that serve children who have been historically disadvantaged uh, within the school system. And while I found lots of bright spots within that research and in my visits to school, I also found that um, with the bringing on of uh, accountability and some of the other um, economic measures that have been um, a trend in, in education over the last couple decades, that schools um, were not the happy places that um, they once were or that I that I knew as a teacher and I often found lots of teachers who were um, being given to prescriptive curriculum and uh, teacher, uh, students who were disengaged and particularly in the early years. I was really troubled with the trend of sort of academic um, learning in a traditional format that was being pushed down into the early grades. And so I came to Pre-K for SA really just to kind of find out what it was about, and they, they had an opening for their executive director, and I just, I came down here really out of, sort of out of curiosity, and when I walked into the center and saw the outstanding education that was going on where kids were engaged and teachers were teaching the way they should be teaching, and kids were learning at very high levels, and it wasn't just happening in one classroom, it was happening in 25 classrooms in the building, and then I found out there were three other centers exactly like it. I said, I have got to be part of this because I have not seen anything like this in so very long. And I really wanted to, to be part of this initiative, not just for San Antonio, but also to figure out how do we make this more accessible to more children throughout our community and then across the nation. That's definitely a, a, a worthy goal. And I, I totally understand the feeling of getting hooked on early education. It's one of those things I think if you... You, when you when you see the, the the power of the work that can be done in that space, it's hard not to want to work in that space. And that role, particularly, sounds very exciting. So, you know, Sarah, for for the listeners here in Australia, it might be great to before we we, we sort of talk about uh, pre K for SA in particular. Do, are you able to sort of give us an idea of what was the sort of you know the state of play? What was early education like in San Antonio before this before this program came around? Sure. So back in 2012, um, they did a study in San Antonio to find out exactly the answer to that question. And in the state of Texas, the the state provides funding for half-day pre-K programs for qualifying students. And those are students who live in um, poverty or who are second language learners or homeless or, or a few other categories of eligibility. And what they found in San Antonio was that, one, the quality of the programming was mixed, as well as not all students that were eligible were taking advantage of that or, or were able to take advantage of, advantage of it for a variety of reasons, one being a capacity issue. Some of the programs were full and the districts didn't have space to add classrooms. And secondly, with half-day programs, families where both parents worked or were in school, they couldn't take advantage of it because they weren't able to go be able to go pick up their children in the middle of the day and figure out what to do with them. So while there were some good things going on, it was really mixed and lots of children um, did not have the opportunity. And so that's where 
the mayor at that time, Julian Castro, convened a group of business leaders and community leaders to figure out how do we best um, help to change the educational trajectory in San Antonio so that, one, we have a highly educated citizenry, but also so we have a highly ready workforce. And that group studied all kinds of initiatives and landed on early childhood education as the way to go. Which is wonderful. And that's obviously um, led to the development of this, this fantastic program. So in the, the, the article that, um, that I read where I sort of first heard of this this program, uh, right, around, right away on the other side of the world, there was a fantastic quote from you, Sarah, which was, uh, the goal is nothing less than to change the trajectory of San Antonio in one generation, and that's a pretty that's a pretty lofty goal, and I absolutely applaud. So, um, tell us a bit about this this fantastic program. So it's called Pre K for SA, and how how are you hoping you're going to reach that amazing goal? Yeah, and it is amazing goal, and I, do, I think it's achievable for us, and it's it's really what we have focused on because, um, for one, the power of early education is so clear. The research is. Um, replete with evidence that early education is the best way to impact uh, educational outcomes and what we invest early on pays off in big dividends later, both educationally but also in social and economic measures. And the part that makes Pre-K for SA so outstanding and I think um, was captured in the political article so well was that this is a really comprehensive initiative. So there are a number of cities in the United States that have begun to look at early childhood initiatives and are doing some form of expansion of pre-kindergarten or other kinds of early childhood programs. What San Antonio did that is so different and unique, and I think what is going to allow us to make such a tremendous impact, is that they looked at not just direct service, so we do that. We have four centers with 500 students in each of them. 25 classrooms that meet the highest standards of early childhood education. And, and when I tell you, they are phenomenal. They are absolutely phenomenal. I, I mean, I really have seen nothing like it. And so that's great because that serves 2,000 students a year. But more than that, we also provide $4.2 million in grant funding to other programs throughout the city to help them improve their programs. And so we do all kinds of things from um, helping them go from half day to full day to improving their teacher quality to buying them the materials they need uh, to helping them with their curriculum to improve it to make sure that it meets the highest standards. And then on top of that, we also provide professional learning for any early childhood teacher throughout the city of San Antonio. And that extends not just in pre-K but all the way up to third grade because we know that when we make these large investments in pre-kindergarten, that they can be lost or at least not built upon if we don't continue to have outstanding, high-quality teaching and learning in the K through third grades. So um, the the piece, and then, of course, we have a, a component around parent and family engagement, helping family members to understand the important role they play in education, not just um, because they're the most important teachers of their children, but also because they can be strong advocates for their children within the education system. And so this comprehensive approach of direct service through our centers, professional learning to teachers, grants to support programs, and then parent and family engagement really means that we're able to 
um, provide benefit to every four-year-old throughout the city of San Antonio, which is which is really tremendous and, and very forward-thinking. I cannot um, say enough about the architects of this program, really, really thoughtful and um, progressive and, and really um, courageous in taking on such a big project. So, Sarah, obviously bringing up a big program like this, even with all the evidence and all the research about how important it is, it's a, it was a really big a big change for, for I guess, how, um, particularly in terms of, you know, obtaining funding and, and going to the community and saying why this is, this is so important, you know, for you, know, for you and the, the city in general. What have been the big challenges about, uh, you know, sort of getting this amazing program up and running? Well, one of the challenges, obviously, was funding because this program is supported through a um, tax, uh, a sales tax on the citizens of San Antonio, so they had to agree to that. And, of course, um, you know, taxes, it, there's always a, a tension about how we're going to spend our taxes because um, there's many, many needs within the city, whether it's infrastructure or education or, or some other um, initiative. And so the first part was to suggest that it was really important that we support our youngest learners and that to help citizens understand the real power of early learning and that it doesn't be- just benefit the young children. It, its impact is, is long-term and how it could benefit the community overall. And so they, um, we relied a lot on Heckman's work, the economist who demonstrates that investments in early learning pay off big dividends for communities in terms of uh, stronger health, um, stronger communities, stronger economies for um, those who make that investment. But then another challenge was this idea of what is the appropriate role of early childhood education. There are some families that feel four years old is too young for a child to go into a formal schooling. Other families who um, wanted to access the program but maybe didn't qualify. And so the community really had to have a lot of conversation about why does it why is it worth investing in early childhood and why is it that Um, we should invest in children who have been disenfranchised from the system historically. And so there was a lot of legwork that went into that, literally block walking to talk with folks um, to get support for the vote, but also even with families early on to convince them to send their children to a program that was so new and that was unfamiliar because it wasn't part of their regular school system. But the um, folks who started this initially really had a great strategy in that, and and it was about engaging communities and community activists and community leaders to help get the word out. Yeah, but then it's obviously very interesting, that idea of, um, I guess, community expectation of what early childhood education is. I think, you know, the research has has shifted so much in the last sort of 10, 20 years, but um, community expectations, I think, are still... Are still coming along, and and you know, so Sarah, so you know, selfishly, I'm calling from Australia, where we have, we, we I guess, we have similar issues in terms of uh, getting the community and, and governments to understand the value of early childhood education. So one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you was this: it's really refreshing to hear a success story about you know a new program for young and particularly disadvantaged and children at risk of vulnerability. Uh, getting up, you know, if you if you could give advice to advocates and teachers and professionals and and groups that are trying to, um, you know, start similar programs or lobby government for more funding for for the early years. What's your, you know, what advice would you give those people? Well, I think that you appeal to both hearts and minds. And so 
I think with the hearts, it's folks who, um, who, who believe in the power of education and, and you equip them with the research to show that it does make a difference and that you can in just one year, um, bring children up in their achievement from what we found is below the national norms to above the national norms and the power of that. And then in terms of the mind, um, employing that economic research that shows that it's not just an investment in individuals, it's an investment really in the community and the power of the community um, that will pay off in real dollars in terms of, you know, lower remediation rates and costs of remedial education, lower um, criminal um, court-related issues because people have skill sets and opportunities that they might otherwise not have, and then just the whole benefit of the community. So it's, it really is knowing what the research says and being able to communicate that to folks that taps into what their interest is, um, whether it's in their hearts or in their minds. And I, I think that's and, – and then just having those conversations um, – we have, we still have critics of our program and I often meet with them to have conversations. One, because I think that's important that we listen to the, to the critics and, and what their concerns are, but also because I find that people have a lot of misinformation. And so those, um, opportunities to engage with people and to share what we've been able to do and to, to let them see the power of it. Um, we're a seeing is believing program, and so I would try to get as many people out to our centers and to see the schools we're working with because when people see what's happening, they become supporters. We It's it's not unusual for someone to come out to one of our centers and tell us um, that they're coming because they don't believe in pre-K and they, and they don't think that we should be spending tax dollars on this initiative, and we give them a tour, we let them see what's happening, and by the end, they become champions of it, oftentimes volunteering or being willing to talk to other groups about the power of it. So I think it is about building relationships within your communities and listening to what people are thinking and what misinformation they have about early childhood education. There's still a lot of perception out there that early childhood is about daycare and babysitting, and especially when they see that children are playing and they, they don't understand that young children learn through purposeful play and through play that's being guided by highly skilled teachers. And so I think that's part of what we do as advocates is to educate the general public about the power of early childhood education. Wonderful. Well, Sarah, I mean, if you ever get the opportunity to come through to Australia, we'd like to love for you to be able to pass on some of those messages to the, the community here. That's um, it's, it's, we'll definitely be watching with interest as this program continues to grow. But uh, it sounds like it, there's fantastic work being done there. But thank you so much for, for working around crazy time zones and, and taking the time to speak with us today. We really, really appreciate it. It is my pleasure. And if you are ever up this way, we'd be we'd love to host you and, and show you around. And if we're down that way, we'll certainly. Um, love to visit with your folks too. I'll definitely take you up on that offer. Thank you very much, Sarah. All right, thank you. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sarah Beret. I really appreciate her time and uh, sort of working around the bit of the crazy time difference we had to have. It was uh, really an honour 
to speak with her. Uh, that's it. We'll be back hopefully with another sort of short bonus episode next week, but back with a regular uh, one with all three of us the week after. You can find the show at earlyeducationshow.com. Uh, email us at earlyeducationshow at gmail.com. Don't forget, we have a live show coming up in November. If you're in Sydney, head to earlyeducationshow.com forward slash live. You can find the show on Facebook and Twitter at Early Edu Show, and you can find uh, the three usual hosts on Twitter as well. Le- Leanne is at uh, Leanne M. Gibbs 3. Lisa is at Lisa J. Bryant. And I'm at Liam McNicholas. So until we're back with you, we hope you have a great week in all the uh, fantastic early education settings you're working in or supporting. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.